Recorded live. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, pat your afros, dust off those big old, big old knee-high boots. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back for another episode of Geeking Over 40. I am your ever effervescent host, Big Baba Rob from the Black Geeks, and I have just an absolutely awesome uh, set of geeks on the panel today. Let me introduce who we've got. First and foremost, we have Bison for Life. Bison, what's going on, man? How you doing today? I'm well. How are you two this evening? I am doing just fine, sir. Just very glad to be in the presence of some amazing folks. I do have Lady Geek Over 40, who's hanging with us. How are you doing today, Lady Geek? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. How's everybody else? Oh, I think everybody else is just fine and dandy, ready to get rolling. Uh, we do have, uh, for the first time, uh, on. I've I, I talked to this brother before on, on shows, but I'm very glad to have, ladies and gentlemen, the Seventh Matrix, a.k.a. Rod. What's going on, Rod? How you doing tonight? Hey, what's up, folks? Glad to be here. Man, so glad to have you, my brother. And last but not least, we, we, we do have the Cosmic Explorer, Godfather Geek Soul. Ladies and gentlemen, Geek Soul, brother, what's going on? Hey, man, I, I'm still putting the funk in the final frontier, so I'm good. As as always, as always. Uh, you know, it's funny. I was cruising down the road today. I was telling the folks, uh, you know, I've been running. They had to do grocery shopping. And, uh, man, what came on, man? Something. It was it was a George Clinton song. And all of a sudden, my son in the back seat started talking. I said, oh, ho, 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 ho. we don't talk over the funk. Now, you just wait a minute. Just wait a minute. I, whatever it is, unless unless you bleed it, you gotta go to the bathroom. You just need to hold on. So we, we don't talk right. over the funk. So you know, I, I just had to lay down the law. We people people forgot who they were. We we don't talk over the funk. No, absolutely not. So I'm with that. You. you gotta teach them. Gotta teach them, man. You got you gotta raise them right. You gotta raise yeah. them right. Raise them up right. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, one one final anecdote. Uh, I have my, I've had a, I have a 5.1 surround sound speaker system on my computer today, and I, I blew a speaker first time in God. I've had that system for almost ten years. No, nah, yeah, maybe about eight years. But Boosie Collins blew it, so I was like, oh well. <laughs> I was I was listening to Munchies for Your Love, and it was like Brr! I was like, oh, okay, it was Boosie. I'll I'll take that. It's all right. It's all good. Yeah, it, it was a funk. I mean, you know, the funk took it down. I'm good. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, if everybody's tuned in, this is going to be a really, really great episode today. We are talking Star Trek today, and one of the reasons we're talking about it is because news has come out that CBS is in production, or I'm not in production, but they are planning to release a new Star Trek series. Uh, uh, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm worried. We're all worried. But they're talking about releasing a brand-new series in January 2017. And so I I heard this, and I was extremely conflicted because from one point of view, I I think that the the time is right. Star Trek's been been off the air for many years now, and maybe it's time. I think technology's there and writing is there. I think they can come back with a good one. I don't think CBS is the right channel to do it, but, (laughs) you know, uh, so I really want to talk today about because I mean you guys I mean the folks I have on 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 right now are some real Star Trek heads and I want to talk about first uh, the first thing I want to talk about is how uh, Star Trek has influenced uh, just general culture and geek culture uh, going all the way back to the days of Kirk and Spock and McCoy and then I I really want to talk about because I want to put it out there I love putting solutions out there. 
What are the possible options for a successful Star Trek series? And what I mean by that is I love to, you know, get you guys' uh, impressions and thoughts and uh, opinions about what can they do next. Do they go onto a ship? Do they go to Starfleet? Um, do they go and do follow the Klingon, follow the Romulans? Do they go pre-Kirk? Do they go post the card? Which way, you know, I mean, there's so many different things they could do, and I wanted to just throw some different options out there on the table and, and just really see what you guys thought. So um, with Seven Matrix, uh, his first appearance on the show, I want to start with him. Seven, uh, and also, uh, let me tell you, brothers and sisters, uh, man, if you guys are listening, y'all got to check out the Seven Matrix online, and he's going to give you guys his website and, and where you can check him out. Talk about some some, some sci-fi and info, man. This, this brother just introduces you to so many different things that are going on in the sci-fi community today. I mean, it's just uh, it's, it's incredible. Uh, if you follow him and you get his newsletter, I do. But, yeah, he's going to tell you about it. But uh, let me ask you, so, Rod, in your opinion, like, how do you feel that Star Trek has had the influence? Can you talk about what you think the influence of Star Trek has had on, on culture since the, since the beginning uh, of the series. Wow. I can tell you that you know, it's such a global phenomenon. And I think the reason for that, well, there are many reasons for it, but I think the main reason for it is that Star Trek is really aspirational. You know, back in 1966 when the show premiered, there wasn't anything remotely like it on television. And Gene Roddenberry had a vision where he looked at what was going on at that time in society. I think uh, we were just beginning to go into the Vietnam War, and then, of course, there was the Civil Rights Movement, and there were so many social uh, ills that he wanted to comment on, but wisely he didn't want to uh, just do a preachy show that was real heavy-handed, and he decided, you know what, I'll do a Western, but I'll set it in space. And I think that with his intent back then on having a diverse cast, um, it really blew people's minds. And I can tell you personally, for me, growing up, I watched reruns of Star Trek, and that's really what inspired my love of the whole genre, because I saw Nichelle Nichols on that bridge. And you all can pretty much uh, agree that back then, and still it's, it's, it seems like we're going backwards now, the roles for us were pretty pathetic in Hollywood. Either we were domestic or some type of menial, or if you saw a sister on the screen, she was somebody's prostitute, we were pimps. And to watch this show, in it was in reruns in the late 70s when I was watching television as a youngster, and to see this gorgeous black woman, who is the communications officer on a starship on a network television series was unheard of. So the show broke a lot of barriers. And then even with a lot of the technology that it predicted, I mean, look at the communicators, look at flip phones, look at flat screens, look at the tablets. So, you know, its influence over pop culture over culture in general cannot be overstated. As a matter of fact, a lot of people were inspired to go into the sciences because of Star Trek, to teach, um, you know, just to go into invention. So, yeah, it, it's really had quite, quite an impact on society at large. 
And Bison, I, I would say, you know, I I I I don't want to say too much about about your personal. I, I see that I've I've seen firsthand that you are very very much in the Star Trek. It is uh, what does Star Trek mean to you, and and what do you what do you think about its impact on present day culture? Well, um, Seven really wrapped it up pretty nicely, so I'll try to put a bow on it. I think um, um, it wasn't it was more than a show became a franchise. I mean, people forget its original run was very short. I started watching a little before seven, probably in the mid to early 70s. So um, it was still new. And also at the same time, you had the Apollo program going on. So the push for the sciences was really large. And, you, and, and it was, um, there was hope that, you know, we can probably leave this place and how you describe with the horror and others in the diversity that we can get beyond what was the present day ills, what was going on in America. So it, it, it meant a promising future. We haven't lived up to that, but the, you know, looking back on it, a lot of the effects became dated. But who cares? That the storytelling, all good storytelling, will always outshine bad special effects. So, but it, it gave people hope for a brighter, united future. Whether we've achieved that as of now is up for debate, but that was that was the that's how I viewed it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and it's really interesting. You you both kind of hit on it, and uh, I'll let Lady Geek uh, respond. She can expand on what what I'm about to say. You know, it's interesting when you think about what Star Trek did, especially from the level of diversity, where you look at that cast and you look at that bridge crew. I mean. I I was recently talking with Dark Econius today about uh the trailer for uh what is it uh World of Warcraft and how yet again here we see uh the human class almost completely devoid of any type of people of color and yet here we have the what would be the I guess the orc or the war class which are tribal in nature, long dreads and you know, we've seen this over and over again used in you know, whether it's Alien versus Predator or it's, um, you know, or even in Star Trek to a degree with, with the Klingons. But if you look at the cast that was on the bridge at that time, you had people of so many different nationalities, you know, in, in, on the on the main bridge crew and on the away teams. And, I mean, so, you know, it really was, uh, you know, what a visionary from Gene Roddenberry to push that element of racial diversity even at that point in, in time. Um, you can either pick up on that, or you know, what do you, you know, what do you think about how Star Trek, you know, changed the game? Well, I I came in, I I became a fan of Star Trek with uh, Next Generation, um, and through that, I went back. I would go back and I would look at the original episodes with Captain Kirk, and that's that's when I was really like struck by the fact that okay, they've got they do have they do have the diversity there, um, but one of the things that always drew me was just the the fact, like Bison was saying, the fact that they had reached a a point in, I guess, Earth history <laughs> where there was um, there was unity, um, and that was that was something that was kind of deep to think about. That you know they they had reached a point where they were united, not just as a country but as a planet, and that kind of push them forward for exploration outside and that that was kind of deep to me and 
I'm a huge Star Wars fan, huge, huge Star Wars fan. But And that's because I think Star Wars has um, that spiritual element to it, whereas Star Trek has that, that scientific element to it. And that was another thing that, that drew me was the technology. And I think that's one of the big impacts for a lot of people who are Star Trek fans, who are Trekkies, is the, the glimpse, I guess, if you were watching the original or you're watching next, you know, next gen or if you're watching that and you're getting the glimpse of the future and then, you know, like you said, we have these things now. And um, I think, was it Neil, Neil, uh, Neil uh, what is it? Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson? Yeah, he was actually came out and was talking about the technology in Star Trek and how it it, it speaks true. And I, th- I thought that was really interesting also, is the fact that a lot of it was, so, a lot of it's so based in scientific fact. And that's sometimes something you don't always see in science fiction. Sometimes it, it throws in too much of the fantasy with the sci-fi. Yeah, it's so true. And, you know, it's incredible. And Geek Soul Brother, he, he's, I know he's a tech head over there. You know, it's incredible when you sit, when you look. Just If you just stop and pause, especially if you, if you watch the original Star Trek, if you watch the William Shatner Star Trek, it's so incredible how much technology right. that we saw and we watched back then that it was like, ah, oh, people ain't going to be talking into little things like that. And people can't walk around and touch things on the wall and, you know, and just, you know, they, you, you can't do that. It's so incredible to think that phones actually evolved, communicators and flip phones, tablets, I mean, touch screens. It's, just, it's so mind-blowing. And I don't know if it's just, that Gene Roddenberry set the standard and then we lived up to it, or that he was such a visionary that it, that it was able to come to be in later years that we were able to adapt and say, hey, yeah, that technology, yeah, we're just going to create that. Right, right. I... Well, we're so, brother. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. The Romulans done got him. I hope he's still not talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, 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 look, it looks like it looks like it looks like it looks like he dropped. Uh, I'm I'm going to pitch that that question back to Bison because I know the Bison is yeah. also a big tech head. Uh, Bison, if you want to if you want to field that question, man, just looking at how just the the, the relevant the, how the technology just came to align with the vision of Gene Roddenberry, man, just it's amazing. I've read articles where engineers from the various tech companies were directly influenced by Star Trek. So you can almost draw a line from Gene Roddenberry to Steve Jobs to um, the creators of um, um, many of the computer systems and the other systems that we see. It came directly from the show. I mean, literally, uh, a tricorder is almost in development. I've seen some things when I, you know, when I go visit the doctor. So. It's almost to a head, but I, I I do want to touch on something else if you allow me. I think, no, please go ahead. One other thing, you know, I think the um, the electronics and the um, gadgetry from Star Trek has improved, but something else is sort of uh, we regressed in as regards to space space exploration. Now it's hard to remember now, but 35, 40 years ago was sort of a different era where you had, you literally had Apollo missions going up every few months. Then you had a space shuttle, which the first one was named Enterprise. So 
you really thought by this time, you know, 2000, 2001, we'd be a lot further along. And a lot of that was driven by Star Trek, you know, colonization of the moon and Mars and, you know, other bodies. I know I'm kind of going out there, but, I mean, Star Trek sort of lit that huge fire, at least with me. You know, I, I would, I would, you know, you human, but humankind being humankind, being united part, that's always going to be problematic. But I just thought we would be more further along in that realm. The electronics has been fantastic. But the other part of Star Trek was kind of uniting for a common purpose and going out and avoiding exploring. And I think that part is sort of gone to the wayside, so to speak. Yeah, and, I, and that's a good point. I think a lot of that has to do with the monetary commitment. And, you know, I, and I, please understand, I'm not in any way making excuses for it. When I think about the movie The Martian, I, I saw it recently, and you look at how they committed money into, you know, a manned mission to Mars and how they did it. And, uh, you know, even Neil deGrasse Tyson came out talking about the science behind it. Um, that was, I thought, was incredibly well done uh, behind it. But you're right. You would think, I mean, so, I mean, in, in all fairness, I mean, you think about the, the, the Martian probes that have been sent and how much data we're just starting to collect. You're right. I think that if, if money, if economics, if people weren't, if we weren't such a capitalist society and we were uh, more science or innovation driven, which we really are, but it has to be, what, how does that profit me? How does that benefit me? Um, you know, we probably would be a lot further ahead. Uh, and I think maybe even as the technology continues to improve, we're, we're going to see those advances. But that's a, that's a very good point. I, mean, I, would, I definitely think that, you know, the space station is a, is a huge step. Uh, and, and as much as, you know, people don't want to sink money into it, that, that, that moon, the lunar colony, uh, and I just think, you know, I think that has to happen at some point. Uh, Geek Soul Brothers back on the show. I wanted to give him an opportunity to also talk about, uh, you know, just the effects that Star Trek has had had on him, and uh, that he feels that Star Trek, you know, the, the had on the, the culture and society where we are today. Uh, Geek Soul Brother, technology. Well, it, it, it seems Star Trek's technology and vision of the future had no effect on my phone because Obviously. it keeps cutting out. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> but 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 um. No, Star Trek, I, I heard, it might be a rumor, but I, I've heard in the past that Gene Roddenberry went to Ma Bell and asked them what they're working on and what they envision in the future. They went to, he went to IBM and asked them what they think, what he think, what, you know, what the company thought uh, was going to be in the future, and he started to write it into Star Trek. So you see computer disks, right? You see Spock using computer disks. You see, like Bison said, the tricorder. And and the um, you, you know communicator and all of that, um, they they already have experiments about teleportation uh, right now with beam me up and stuff like that. I, Star Trek's had a great influence on us technologically, but I think I think one of the things that it 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 sort of looked over compared to a lot of science fiction is is like Bison said, the hope for the future, you don't see much of that in other sci-fi, you know. You, you know and the moral, um, the moral thread that went through the old uh, uh, original series is something that um, 
I don't know. It's it's just a it's just a, a blueprint of how we should go as a society, um, you know, philosophically and almost spiritually, but definitely philosophically in that you know, seeing everybody as one, seeing everybody as capable of doing everything, and also the feminism in Star Trek. Even even though you talk about the mini skirts and you, you know you know women were somewhat objectified in the. 60s Star Trek, but at the same time, Gene Roddenberry addressed the uh, the status of women as scientists, as you know, as as uh, captains of other ships and stuff like that. So I don't know. It just it just there was so much there. Gene Roddenberry was a true visionary on on a human level, not just technological and. Um, there was so much there. It, it was so rich in in the possibilities that we could attain for the future. But I, you know, I don't know. NASA's working on warp drives now. I mean, that was four hundred. Star Trek was set four hundred years from now. NASA's working on warp drives right now. So we might see them in like twenty, thirty years. Mm. You I, know, I, I think a lot of this advance. I mean, if you want to even take it a little further, as far as what we have going on. Um, on our planet now, you see, you see, you see, and you hear a lot more about the advances in technology and space exploration. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we are screwing up our planet currently. Yeah. And you know, so that's that's kind of I think another reason why there's this. Um, I don't know if it's a recent push or just hearing more about it, but I I, I tend to think it's more of a recent resurgence of um, being able to explore, being able to um, set colonies. Because this is, I mean, I I think in the past month I've read like three articles um, talking about uh, the possibilities of setting up colonies on other planets and, and you know, the, the ideas and the uh, the research that's going into it. And that's, that's just, that's new. <laughs> Yeah. You know, that's something new, and I think it, it goes to also to what we're doing currently to our planet. And, you know, as far as Roddenberry having that um, that insight and wanting to create um, technology and improving humanity, you know, it's it's easier to work on technology than it's easier to work on humanity. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's why we, we see the technological advances now more so than humanitarian um, advances, but also you, you see us in, you know, the state that we're in as far as uh, people with riots and the, the Black Lives Matter. All these are precursors to big change. Yeah. What that right. big change will be, who knows right now, but... You know, and it's interesting... <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead, finish your point. I'm sorry. No, I just, I was just, I just, those are just things that I was thinking about as we are talking about this and, you know, the foresight that Gene, you know, the foresight of the the earth as being one and people being treated as equal and how we've sort of meeting the technological advances, but we're not meeting the humanitarian advances. You know, and I want to tie what you just said to, to what Bison said about, I think if we tie those two concepts together of if we're unified as a people, we all move together in one direction, and we can act. We would actually be able to move the technology forward if we weren't so selfish with the me my. I mean, if you look at it, if you look at it now, the Prime Directive was pretty much the exact inverse of colonialism. You know, it was like mm-hmm. it was, yeah. you know, 
you yeah. can go in, just don't screw with nothing. Don't touch nothing. Don't talk to nothing. Don't take nothing. Right. Right. You know, I mean, it, really, if you look at the prior directive, was the, is the exact counter to what colonialism has been, and and then really capitalism to a degree as well. Do not profit upon, you know, of of, of some other culture. And so, you know, to, to Biden's point, we probably would be so much further along if we were all working in one common direction for one common good, there will probably be more interaction with some of the great geniuses around the world that are probably being held by different governments. Who, who knows, you know, what's out there? And then if you also look at it from the cultural shift, whereas, you know, school is, is schooling and teaching and the education of children become the prime, you know, focus and bringing them up and having them grow to their full potential so those who have genius within them to be unlocked. If that cultural shift that we kind of really see of, of I don't want to say it's kind of almost the 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 earth that we have been presented in in the Star Trek series is is very is more so a utopia almost where you can go and do and you have yeah there's still credits you still got to have credits I still haven't figured out how the whole credit thing works <laughs> but you still have to have you still have to have credits to move forward um, seventh you know no, you, but Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Barbara, before, before you move on, just a reminder, um, in, in Star Trek and Next Generation, they talked about getting rid of money mm-hmm. as an invention. So money wasn't an issue anymore because it didn't exist. Two, the piece that Gene Roddenberry showed in Star Trek was only after he had the prehistory of the Earth going through, I think, at least one more world war. But I think it was actually three. I think, it was, I think the Earth went through three world wars within that 400 years' time, um, uh, you know, 2400 A.D. There was a period where the Earth went through such, you know, devastation that the only thing that they could do is either completely destroy themselves or learn the final lesson and move forward. Right, right. You know, Geek Soul Brother, I'm glad that you brought that up. I was just about to bring up that point. That, and I think a lot of younger generations who kind of look back on Star Trek as, you know, kind of quaint but not really relevant, and they look at it with a lot of cynicism, saying that it, it really doesn't have any relevance to our modern living. When they talk about how, oh, you know, Gene Roddenberry created this perfect utopia and everybody got along and blah, 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 what they fail to realize is that, like you said, uh, Geek Soul Brother, and I think Lady Geek even touched on this too earlier, that utopia was hard won. I know for a fact that uh, in the Star Trek history, there was a third world war, and Geek Soul Brother, there may have been another one. We know mm-hmm. that there was a eugenics war. That was what Khan was all about, you know, starting right. with the, the Space Seed episode that led into Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. So there was so much upheaval, but, you know, the planet and all of the world's peoples decided, you know what, if we don't stop fighting each other, if we don't stop uh, with this divisiveness that ultimately is meaningless, as a species, we're not going to make it. And I think 
that when you look at Star Trek's history, it compassing that prehistory and then where the series, the original series, starts off, again, it's really aspirational. And I think that's one of the reasons why we need a new Star Trek series on the air now, because it would be more relevant even now with everything going on than it well, just as it was in the 60s. I'm not going to say even more so, but a lot of the same issues that we were grappling with back then, we're still grappling with now. And a lot of the science fiction that we have on the air now, I'll give an example. The reboot of Battlestar Galactica was really acclaimed. Um, I enjoyed most of it, but what I really had a problem with Battlestar Galactica was that it was so dour. And it was so dark. And yeah. there really, I mean, and as the show progressed, you really didn't get a sense of any hope or aspiration within okay. that entire series. And Star Trek feels that need. And we need that so that people can see that, you know what, if we decide to put aside our differences, it may not be easy. But look, if we want to survive, if we want to stop destroying our planet, if we want to continue to make it as a species, then we need to get our shit together. Excuse me. We need to get it together. <laughs> hey, can I jump in real quick? Yeah, please do. I'm going to do a real deep dive in Star Trek prehistory real quickly. Um, and some people probably will tweet and say, hey, you got this wrong, but I'm going to just dive in. The eugenic wars was basically a war between um, genetically enhanced people um, that were created who took over various parts of the Earth. But this is the part of Star Trek I have issues with. Okay, in Star Trek First Contact, there was a World War III between the Eastern Coalition and the West. So it was basically the United States, Europe, and Australia versus China, Japan, Pakistan, and India. But you never see in a Star Trek universe whatever happened to China, whatever happened to Africa, whatever happened to um, other nations. All we see is San Francisco. You know, everything's in San Francisco. You got Starfleet Academy, you got Starfleet headquarters, which makes no sense. So if you attack San Francisco, you can wipe out the Federation, but that's another discussion. But that's my only thing. The new show should show more of the diversity, not only of Earth, but of the Federation. I mean, I, I just think everything was so Earth-centric. And if Earth, you know, remember, Earth was in tatters when the Vulcans came, but now everything is Earth-centered, you know. The Federation headquarters is on Earth. All the major um, installation headquarters on Earth. And I think that's not realistic. I hope the new show can go more of a deep dive, but I know that's not going to happen. It's just going to be young people falling in love on a spaceship, and we know it's not going to be much diversity, not only of um, Federation citizens, but of um, people on Earth. That's just, my, that's just my one thing about Star Trek, I really when they get out, I just really, don't really care for them. You know, and I'm glad you brought that up, Tyson, uh, Bison, because that's one that's one of the conversations that, and, well, that's really the second portion of the show, and, and we're, we're, we're a little bit past our halfway point, and I really want to, to talk about this new show and what are the possibilities? What do, what do they need to do? What do they need to do 
coming off of the success of the original show of Next Generation. Um, I know that some people didn't care for Deep Space Nine. I love Deep Space Nine. Um, and then, then there was Enterprise, and the slide started. You know, there was a huge slide. Some people really liked Enterprise. I, I didn't care for it personally. I just couldn't get into the acting. But that's one of the big questions, and I'm going to start with, with, with Seventh. And Seventh, I've got to ask you one question before I, I jump into that. To me, and, and Bryson brought up the issue with diversity, uh, and, and I think that he, he's dead right that this next show has got to be diverse. It has to continue the diversity because when I look at Star Trek and I look at what they did, especially once they started going into Deep Space Nine um, and started dealing with some really, you know, Deep Space Nine, you know, allowed them to start bringing in, uh, you know, other races and species. The only other show that I can think of that, I mean, really did it to such an astronomical letter, uh, level with Doctor Who. Doctor Who just, they envisioned just other life forms being everything. I mean, a lot of times with, with, with Star Trek, especially the original series, because they were limited by CG and technology, a lot of them were bipeds. A lot of them had two arms. A lot of them, you know, it was very restrictive. But Doctor Who just said, we want to make them look like this, and their mouths are going to be here, and they're just going to be giant faces, and they're going to be just, I mean, it was just all over the place. I'm wondering, can, I mean, is, is, how far should they really go in this new series? Should they go to a Doctor Who level where the species start to look like anything? Granted, you have to stick with Romulans and, you know, certain people you hit Ferengi. you got to stick with those. Do you think that this new series could really go to a Doctor Who level of just a diverse species in the show? Yeah, I, okay. I, I do. I think that uh, we have the technology now where – it's more cost-effective. As a matter of fact, you mentioned Doctor Who, and I'm a Doctor Who fan as well. But another show that still really doesn't get enough acclaim, and I'm not going to derail us too much. I know we want to talk about the new Star Trek series. But Farscape was incredible oh, yeah. because Jim Henson's son was hired, Brian Henson, to create these aliens. And when I, I still have that show on DVD, and when you watch it, and either people are really diehard fans of it or, or they don't care for it. But what I loved about it was that you truly believed that this guy was lost in a foreign section of the universe. I mean, the aliens looked alien. Um, yeah, you just still had humanoids, but then you had a whole – uh, just menagerie of all these fantastic creatures, and you didn't have a problem believing that this guy was lost in deep space somewhere. So, and that was ten years ago, I think, that that show came on the air on Sci-Fi. So we definitely can do it. Bison brought up a good point, and one of the uh, I agree. One of the weaker points about Star Trek was that it was very, um, you might as well say, United States centric. Um, <laughs> And in this new show, they do need to address when they're dealing with the Federation that there are other civilizations that make up the Federation, and they need to really focus on that. They need to focus on – I'm not real sure how they would touch on it now. Geek Soul Brother, we had a discussion many, many moons ago. I don't know if he remembers this or not, but he had the great idea of if a new Star Trek series were to be created, why not do Starfleet Academy? where that would make sense, where you could set the academy anywhere, um, and then you could have different instructors come in. You could have 
the cadets, of course, be from all of these major civilizations, and you could have a prime opportunity to explore diversity and just go wild with it. My problem, though, is that the new Star Trek series, CBS owns the rights. That's why CBS is in control of it. They have given it to a gentleman by the name of, I don't want to get it, let's see, I think it's Alex Kurtzman. He wrote uh, Star Trek, the reboot film, and Into Darkness. I have a problem with that because J.J. Abrams directed the first two reboot movies and he executive produced it, but he even came out and said, hey, I'm not really a fan of Star Trek. I'm really more of a Star Wars guy. And so these movies are more like action-adventure hero versus villain stories. And Star Trek does have that component, but it's always been more cerebral, Mm -hmm. always dealing with deeper sociological issues. And I think in a new show, they need to – of course, you can have all the – the special effects and the gee whiz, you know, bangs and whistles, but you really need to explore sociological issues. I think that that's part of the legacy of Star Trek. That's what sets it apart from all the other science fiction franchises that are out there. And if they fail to do that, I don't think that it's going to succeed. And one of the other things, though, with with it, CBS handling this and – what they're going to have to do with it is to, they're going to have to do a lot with it to keep viewers because it's only going to be one episode on network TV and then it all goes to their streaming service. Right. So you have to you're going to have to pay monthly to see this. Yeah, it's right like now five ninety nine a month. I don't see that lasting. I don't see so that. So that I mean they're going to have to they're going to have to really do something with this series if that you know if that's what they're going to be asking people. Okay, you're going to have to pay for this. You're going to have well, to you pay know, to see this. Lady Geek, I don't mean to interject, but I think, you know, what will happen is Star Trek fans are really hardcore, and it has been a decade since we've had a new TV series. So I think that they, you're going to have a lot of fans who are going to put down the five ninety nine to check it out. But like you said, if it doesn't draw them in, if it's mm-hmm. not compelling, then it's going to fall flat quick. Right. Because it's not going to be—it's not going to be like it's. In, they're not uploading all the episodes at one time. Right. They're gonna—they're yeah. probably—they're gonna bleed them out. But you know what? I and the thing is that that I think that is insanely foolish on their part. Now, I agree. I, I, I think I, agree I, I see what they're trying to do is they're trying to say we know that y'all Trekkies are crazy as hell, and we know that you guys <laughs> are gonna pay whatever it is that we're gonna throw out there to watch it. But I think they got it wrong. I think that the Trekkies are going to rise up in a ridiculous – I mean, they're going to be Klingons standing outside of boardrooms. <laughs> You're going to see people walk around with batlets and – I mean, it's, it's – yo, I mean, you know, people walk around, would you like some broke egg pie? I mean, it's just – and, and, and you know, with everything we've talked about, it's charging people to be able to see this is just a whole slap in the face of what the series, what the Roddenberry wanted with the series anyway. Right. You know, well, they're not we looking at through, We just went through but, all of, you know, the, 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 the sort of utopian feel of it and how everyone is supposed to be able to do, you know, do what they're supposed to do and do it freely, and yet here CBS is like, okay, five ninety nine a month and you can watch this. It's 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 a, it's disrespectful in a lot of ways, I think. Also, 
it, it is. It will. It will, that five ninety nine will kill it because it, it. And I think that they will. They'll have to backpedal on that. I think they will figure that out. The closer they get to actually releasing it, they're going to realize. And that. And that's really even doubly insane. Why would you have a bunch of people pay for it, and then you're going to probably have advertisers stream during the show. You, your advertisers are going to pay for that show because there are. It's such. I mean, there's such a huge following, and if you do it right. I mean, it, it's gonna it's gonna be done really well. Um, but you gotta look at this though. People are leaving traditional television, right? So they're chasing. I think they're chasing the new audience and not going to have it for the old existing audience. If you want it, you will get it. I, I just it's, it's, it's that bison. I'm sorry to cut you off, man. I think they're just. Netflix has them quaking in their boots. That's one of the reasons why HBO created HBO Go. And you're going to see more of these streaming services because they look at the business model that Netflix has and the type of content that it's producing. And so they're thinking, uh-oh, we need to get in on this. Yeah. I, I think I tell you, so- CBS is a network. You know they have their net. I can understand. I understand the net the Netflix business model, and I can also understand why HBO Go would do it as well because that eliminates people having to have cable in order to view theirs. But CBS is on network television, and you know the the traditional TV crowd is leaving. Yes, somewhat, but there's still there's still people watching television because there are so many great shows on television right now. So if CBS was to step it up and provide a fantastic Star Trek series, I don't still under, I still don't understand why they would have to charge. I yeah, mean, I understand and, from, and, and, I understand from their mindset, but and, I think it's just a, you know, it's a lack of faith, perhaps maybe. Right. <laughs> yeah. And their well, products. CBS just, isn't even that great a network. That's the problem. They're not. <laughs> they don't know the faith, right. So that lack of faith comes into play then. Right. They they and, they don't know. They you know a lot of times they're grasping at straws and stuff like that. And even now, right? Like I'm looking at Netflix and I'm like, where's all my sci-fi movies that was here a year ago? Everything is going to, you know somebody building somebody's house series or or you know somebody's wives in some state. Or, you know, okay. hunting some animals, <laughs> a dunk, you know, and it's like I'm starting to even get the feeling that um, <clears throat> that Netflix itself is starting to slip, uh-huh. you, you know, from, from where they used to be. And what I was going to say about CBS is, is they're, they're not looking at one of the biggest masters of um, – this whole media thing, Disney, right? So Disney puts out their stuff, but they they make money off of their media, but they make the real money off of their mar, uh, um, merchandising, uh-huh. right? Right, right. And Star Trek, just like said Bob Rob, Star Trek fans are 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 fervent fans. They love getting this and that. You know, I got my phaser, you know, sitting in <laughs> sitting in his corner. You know, somebody's got some other Star Trek, and on the Star Trek side, everybody's got a lightsaber. And the, they're, they're best. See, there it goes again. Oh, <laughs> Man, I tell you, you know. He's, he's you know, vanished they, back they, to the Delta Quadrant. Exactly he's going to rub in the fact he's got a taser <laughs> and then leave. 
Hey, hey Bob, Rob, yeah. can I jump in real quick? I think um, you asked how should the show go. Yeah, that was my next I, question. Yeah, go ahead. This, this is my um, two cents. If they go with the same old tired, you know, young farm boy goes to Starfleet, we've seen that been there. Yeah. How about like a young uh, American Indian or someone from Pakistan or someone from just some place we've never guessed right. going to Starfleet uh, Academy? They're going to have to differ. The main character is going to have to be a person of color from a place other than the United States, Europe, and Canada. And maybe they come from the Martian colony or they come from the moon or wherever humans have um, colonized. That would, that would be cool, that interaction. Well, you know what, guys, Bison, I would like to see a black woman. Let me throw this out here. Angela I would love Bassett, that. Angela Bassett as a Starfleet captain. Oh. And show us that around her. Oh, Boom. There you go. I would pay for that. I'd pay Boom. for that. There you go. What did they say? Say it again, Matrix. What? Angela Bassett as a Starfleet captain, and build a show around her in a diverse cast. And like oh yeah, I pay. I pay for that. That's what I said. That's what I said. Give me if I'm going to pay. Make sure it's something worthy of that. Exactly. exactly. And, you know, she can be same. from Africa or right. a colony, like Bison was pointing out. Yeah. Um, you remember that Star Trek episode where the fastest. Um, Rising captain in Starfleet history was a black woman. Yeah. Why they make it her ancestor? They've done it in the books. That's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm for that too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, when I when I first heard the news, this and I'm gonna throw out what what, what I think about this show. Um, I, I when I first heard the news, the first thing I thought of, oh God, this is gonna be NCIS Starfleet. I said, oh, you know, and, and yeah. I'm like, I'm like, please. Oh God! I mean, because they have they have NCIS and CSI out everything, and it's so interesting because when you do look at CS, uh, look at CBS. Period. Like all the shows kind of have a very similar look and feel. So you know, I was like, please. That's like any. I, I mean, granted, I I don't necessarily want to go to Fox, but. You know, I just don't want I don't want the Ooh. yeah I just I just don't want the same CBS treatment. So here 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 was one of my thoughts, and I and there's been a lot of debate when when I threw this out there. I put the article out there about it. There was a lot of debate saying it needed to be on a ship, and I was like, I, I don't know if it. I kind of would like it to be on the ship so they can continue the whole exploration piece. But I was like, what if they started out with a diverse group of cadets coming into Starfleet Academy? From all from from various races, various looks, and all of them coming with their own individual backstory. Some of them coming from hardship. Some of them coming from prestige. You know, what if they what if they started with this group of cadets and and then followed them going through, and then you know some of them have you know maybe a CD background, and maybe like the first two seasons, you know, and this sounds a little corny, but I'm just throwing out concepts. You know, maybe they you know the, the cadets and they're in, and you start to follow the story, then all of a sudden they start to see, wait a minute, something's going on weird, and there's maybe like a mole or something within Starfleet trying to bring down Starfleet from some other race or culture. But I, I agree. The one thing I've thought about with this, with this Star Trek is that it's got to be diverse. It's just, I mean, if, if, if nothing else, whether they're on a ship, whether they're in Starfleet, whether they're traveling around the different academies on, on Earth, it's just got to be freaking diverse. We're, not, and, and we're just, not talking diverse. With different species, I'm saying well, we're talking diverse. Starting the diversity here on Earth and then building from there. 
Yeah, I, I'm thinking a little bit of both, honestly, because when I think of diversity relative to Star Trek, you know, they've done it both in Earthborn characters and, uh, you know, just other members of, of the Federation. So, I mean, I think that, that saying diverse, I'm implying both, you know, whether they are different people from the planet or they're, they're different races that are come together. Because the, the only reason I say that is that then people have to start to learn the cultures of the, of the, different, of the, different, the, the different Starfleet cadets. And you have to see that they only do this, they only do that, they, you know, they accept death this way. And, you know, even if you look at the whole concept with the whole DAC symbiote, you know, if you have somebody with a symbiote, you know, they have to change characters in a, in a couple of seasons. You know, it's just something like that. The only thing that scares me with Starfleet Academy, it becomes CW real fast. So true. Yeah, right? yeah. 90210 in space. No space. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So oh, is, I, is let, me, let, me, let me ask that question real quick because I, that was one of my concerns that I really, I guess maybe just because of where I am in my growth and development, I'm really not trying to see another show full of teen angst. I, I'm really just not. And I think that's going to be a big turnoff to me. Um, do you guys think the same way? I mean, do you think that this needs to be a more adult show? I do. I do, too. I do. And one of my concerns is that with the person who is executive producing this new series who wrote the two reboot movies, they are really concerned with making what they think is uh, compelling sci-fi, which is you know, spaceships, lasers, and all of that. And they miss that very important human component. Um, well, not, well, sociological component, I should say. But um, I don't know. I like the concept of a Starfleet Academy, and I think that you can do it without the teen angst and who's sleeping with who and the romantic drama and all of that. You can leave that out. And what I also like about that concept is that, say they begin – um, like you said, Big Baba Rob at the Academy, you can have all these guest stars come in in a logical way to kind of hand off one generation to the next. And then, you know, again, I like the concept of maybe that they go on a training mission or something where they're on a ship and something happens, and that forms the narrative thrust of the series. But, uh, yeah, it has to be adult. Um, it does have to be diverse, I agree, definitely among humans and then among the other races of the Federation. They need to have a good mix in there, and they can do it. You know, if you see the cast and it's all white, maybe a token here or there, that's going to turn a lot of people off. I know I won't even watch it. I will not even watch it, and I love Star Trek, but if I see that, I'm going to instantly, if it's another white straight male as the captain or the commander or the leader or whatever, I'm not going to watch it. That's tired, that is old, and they can do much better. Yeah, especially if they have Tyrese and T-Dog. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you for being so and, and Noah, Noah looking for some work, too? Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. You told brother why you got why you got jumped on the mic. What is what would be your vision of the new Star Trek series? Well, um, thanks, Evan, for reminding me that I talked about the Academy before. Um, I I, th- I I always thought that was an interesting idea, but there are two other ideas that I'd like to see. One, I'd be interested in see what they could do with a Star Trek that did not have. Starfleet 
as the main component. Mm. Because there's a lot of human beings doing a lot of different things in the Star Trek universe that aren't attached to Starfleet. I'd kind of like to see more of Harry Mudd, like what Harry Mudd was doing, you know, and the stuff that he was running into being a smuggler and a traveler and kind of like a little con man, stuff like that. There were miners. There were, you know, merchant ships, all kinds of things that were outside of Starfleet that were doing things with other races and stuff like that. So I was interested in that. And the other thing that always intrigued me, there was an episode of Voyager where there was a um, there was a starship, an Enterprise, that could travel through time, and it would go and fix different time problems by going into the past and stuff like that. I know we saw a little bit of that in Enterprise with some time stuff, but I would be interested to see that where it was all the way like twenty I think the I think the time shift came from like twenty eight hundred AD, the twenty eighth century or something like that, like four hundred years after Star Trek and they were going around and fixing time stuff. And I think that would be a good avenue for what Bison was talking about, showing, you know, different parts of how you know, like how the United States of Africa developed and what happened to China and the USSR compared to the United States and stuff like that and how Starfleet got started and, you know, but then you could jump to like their future, right? And we could see like future stories with this time traveling ship and, you know, it would be, it may be a little confusing, but at the same time, they're, including a time component in uh, Legends of Tomorrow on CW. And they're taking the heroes into the past and present for that. So I don't know. That that Those are two other ideas that I kind of thought. You know, Geek Soul Brother and Lady Geek, I'm coming to you next. Uh, I know you kind of are giving some hints. You know, you just made me think about something that might work, and that is using, I don't know how many of you guys saw, and if you didn't see it, I recommend you do, American Crime was an absolutely astounding show. And the cinematography mm. on it was was just like nothing I've ever seen. It was just, it was amazing. Um, but almost like a crash version of Star Trek where you look at a, a different issue from the different, from the, from the points of view of the different people involved. So, you know, like maybe, mm. you know, you spend a couple of episodes looking at it from the point of view of the Klingon High Council. And you, and I throw, I'm throwing it out there right now. I would love to see a clean. I would love for them to go forward in time and see Michael Dorn be like on the Klingon High Council. I would love to just see him sitting there. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely. just throwing that out there. Because <laughs> I'm hoping, I'm going to tweet the hell out of this show. I'm putting it on SoundCloud tonight. I hope someone or the production crew listens to this and says, you know what? I need to call these over 40 people. And they need to come and talk to us. But, but that, yeah. would, that would be an interesting concept to look at an event or a series of events from the different points of view of the entities involved. That, you know, could, through, that could work like for like, crimes, right? like a whole season. Like the yeah. one event is the season, so then you're sort of hashing it out from these different viewpoints throughout the, for, for the season. Yeah, so it's, wor- it up. it's working for uh, American – Horror story, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
American Horror Story, perfect example. Um, Lady Geek, uh, line out the, the Star Trek. Do you, do you have a vision, or do you have just some must-haves, you know, for for the well, new series? I think I think we all kind of put down like the the must-haves of diversity, um, and a an adult vibe to it. I I, I can't do CW either <laughs> for for this. I really can't. Um, but I I I'm thinking about with. Next Generation, when I would watch it, and uh, D Space Nine and um, Voyager, I always enjoyed the interactions with when they would go um, off ship, when they go onto the to another planet, and I like those interactions. And so I definitely need to see those, um, but it doesn't necessarily have to be on another planet. I like the idea of this the uh, Starfleet Academy only because they're like Bison was saying, we don't we've never seen what else has been going on throughout the rest you know, throughout the rest of Earth. When you know, what's what is what is what does Africa look like? What does China look like? You know, where that that's interesting to me. I I just need I need a new fresh story with some diversity, with an adult feel and I just I, I need it to be compelling. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, and I think that we. And seen, I don't think I don't think that's really a lot to ask for, at no, all. It, it isn't a lot to ask for, and if you look at a lot of the major shows that are out right now, a lot of them, um, you know, a lot of the shows that are doing well are more adult. Um, I'm really hoping that they they stick with. Um, I would say if you look at, you know, the Star Trek and the Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, there was a certain, I don't want to say honor code, but there was a certain level of, I don't know, PG-13-ness of it, that it was, they were kind of clean shows, somewhat clean shows. You know, they didn't show a whole lot of heavy bumping and grinding. I'm hoping that the producers and directors and the people, the writers of this show, don't add too much smut. You know, I, 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 hope, I mean, I know that sex sells in this, in this society, and at this point in time, everything that seems to be hitting on high notes seems to have a very strong sexual component in it. But I, I would hope that, if that, that that element of it, that you could possibly sit and watch it with the kids or, you know, you could introduce it to them or it's something that, um, you know, that I would hope that at least in that aspect of it, they wouldn't have that element of an adult component to it. That's just a, a hope for me. I think about Barbara, I think about X Files and how that was something that would make me think. It would force me to look deeper. It would force me to open my mind, and that's what I would love for a new yeah. Star Trek. Yeah, go ahead, Geeks. Over, do you have something? What you, what you got against half naked Vulcans, man? <laughs> <laughs> I got to put down half naked Vulcans. Cough, cough, Enterprise. Cough, cough. Hey, can I jump in real quick? Yeah, but I was actually coming to you next. What you got? I'm sorry. Well, here's my vision. There's a, a book series called Articles of the Federation, which was an arc that detailed a lot of intrigue around the president of the Federation and various cabinet members, which you know, I think it translate well. I mean, I would like to see the Federation. I, I, that might be just too complex to sell on CBS. Another would be maybe focus on Section 31 
and the Orion Syndicate. You know, show the underbelly. Mm. Uh, show the underbelly. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, but th- that's my, you know, show the big governing body, the Federation, you know, show how Earth and Vulcan and, uh, and you know, Andor, how those, you know, all the political intrigue, blah, 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 and just show how, you know, how Earth is, you know, trying to get into this big boys club and how they're pushing back, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, every week highlight a different planet, you know, and, and what their what their goals are and what they're trying to do. Or, like I said earlier, show the senior side of the Federation. Let's see Section 31. Let's see, you know, cutting the rules to expand the Federation. You know, the Orion Syndicate is like the mob on galactic steroids. That would be an interesting um, take to um, go to the show. But I doubt they go that way. That would that, that, be too negative. But that, that's what I would like to see. But even though that may be too negative, that may work. I mean, that may – they could go that way because let, let's, be, let's be real about this. Dark is selling right now. Dark is selling on just every level. I mean, if you look everything from uh, Daredevil to Empire, you know, to uh, How to Get Away with Murder, I mean, Dark is selling very well right now. So it's, but it's possible they could use Dark to sell the series up front, get a really hooked um, a clientele, and then back it out. You know, and yeah. say, okay, you know, you, you could pull it you know, back out a little bit from, from all the darkness and – you know, show the, the 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 broader view, even from the aspect of the concept we just talked about of showing what's going on in the rest of the planet. One given, the, the lead has to be a female. I think the lead has to be a female of color. I don't care. I will prefer a black woman, but the lead has to be a female of color. Well, that's, 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 that's been going good so far. Maybe they'll follow it because there are a lot of female leads of color now. Yeah, hopefully and, CB, CBS will follow that. And I mean, Big Papa Rob, let me interject right quick. Yeah, um, please, please. Because I would, I would feel really bad if I don't get this in here. But I think that there is an independent short film that is currently out, and I tweeted a link under our uh, hashtag, and it's called Axonar, Star Trek Axonar, and uh, it stars Tony Todd. Richard Hatch, who was the original Apollo in Battlestar Galactica. Kate Vernon, who was on the reboot of Battlestar Galactica. It's got some real heavy hitters in it. But it talks about the Four Years' War, which was the Federation's first major conflict with the Klingon Empire. If you guys haven't seen it, and to you know, the listening audience, definitely check this out, and they're working on a full-length feature. It's an independent film, so it's not officially connected with Star Trek through CBS, but it is produced by Hollywood professionals who just also happen to be fervent Star Trek fans, and it looks exceptional. As a matter of fact, I could see a series based on that, but the only other point I wanted to make is that all of these different um, – Pitches for show sounds terrific. Also, what's very important is that Star Trek also needs to have a sense of wonder and exploration. And that is built into the original vision of that show. So no matter what they do, as long as there's some component where they are out exploring the galaxy, the universe, what have you, and encountering new aliens, new civilizations, new mysteries, I think that that's also vital to the success of a new show. 
Brother, brother, I just want to reach out and hug you right now. That's why I'm glad you're here, man. That's why I'm so <laughs> glad you are here. I was like, oh, man, that's why I reached out to you. I was like, please, oh, I'm so glad you're on the show because you bring that element, you know, and you, you bring that that element of what's going on outside of the sci-fi mainstream that people may not know about. Uh, Bison brought it, too, you know, in, in talking about the book series that, that a lot of people didn't know about. Man, thank, man, both you guys. Thanks so much for bringing that stuff to the table that a lot of the mainstream people are not going to know about. I'm really hoping that, that people, hopefully by hashtagging this thing with Star Trek, um, you know, once I drop it on SoundCloud, you know, it gets out there and people hear it because people need to know. People need to understand that this content is out there. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. There, there's good content out there. There are good concepts out there. Um, and you know, and there are really some good ideas on what they could potentially do with this series, and not muck it up. And I did say muck with an M, just to be clear. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it really, really good. So, oh man, thank you so much. That was a really great point. Um, I, I'm gonna get ready to wrap this show. We are we are right at we're right a little bit over our hour. Uh, I'm gonna go around and let everyone you know give closing comments. Uh, Geek Soul Brother and uh, Rod, make sure that when we get around you, you guys, you know, give out your, your information so that people can check uh, some of your other content. Uh, Lady Geek, any other, any other, anything else you want the folks to know? Any other thoughts on this topic? Um, I no, actually, I think for me, uh, not being as well versed in Star Trek as some of the others on the on the call. This has been a great learning experience for me also. It makes me kind of want to go back and um, look at some of the original episodes, and I'll definitely be checking out Prelude to, was it Zach, Zanar? Axnar. Axnar, yes. I'm looking at it now, so I'll definitely be checking it out, and thank you for definitely uh, sharing that. Thank you. Uh, Bison, man, thanks so much, man. really appreciate your, the depth of your knowledge bringing that to bear for the show, man. Any final comments, Bison? Yes, I hope they can invent a chair in the Star Trek universe. (laughs) (laughs) Freak, freak, freak. I want to say, I want to, like, people like Geek and Seven and the people on this call, I want to thank you guys because you're putting our voices out there and making sure that we're part of the narrative. Because if you look at a lot of these shows and movies, black people aren't in the future. So hopefully we are in the future, we're up front, we're productive, and we and we belong there like we should have from the start. So I'll leave it there and let the others chime in. Yeah, that, that Bison, that, that's so true. And <clears throat> that's why not, what we do here is, is very important. And, and Bison said the word, our voices. You know, this is what we have to do. We have to continue to stand up and say, damn it, we matter. Our, our opinions matter. Our thoughts matter. Our experiences matter. People of color matter. And, I mean, and I'm not getting into the whole Black Lives Matter movement, you know, type of hashtag, but it's important that we continue to be vocal. We continue to express our opinions and not go quietly into that night. We have to say that that, that – we're going to be part of the narrative, no matter how much you want to try to write us out of it. We're going to be there, you know. And, and so you you can try to say that we weren't, and you can be like in Texas and try rewriting history books. But the bottom line is, you can't change the fact that what happened happened, and we will continue to be 
So, you know, that's why, you know, shows like like this and the fact that you all took your time, your personal time, you all could have been doing other things and you chose to be here tonight on this. And I'm so very appreciative uh, of, of all of you all and all of you all listening. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, Rod, please, man, uh, any final comments and let the people know how they can follow you, how they can get your newsletter like I do. Oh, sure. Definitely. Well, first I want to thank all of you all because – you know, having conversations with those of like minds is priceless. Um, for me, I know that it encourages me, it inspires me um, to know that there are so many others um, that are out there that we're working towards the same goal. And I've learned a lot, too, just by listening to this conversation. And thank you, Big Baba Rob, for providing another platform for us to have a voice. And uh, Bison, what was the name of that book, Articles of the Federation? Yes. Okay, I definitely want to check that out because I wasn't aware of that. But uh, for me, my website is theseventhmatrix.com, and really what I do is I am a platform so that people can discover science fiction and genre web series and short films that are available for them to consume the majority of them for free that are on the web. So if you enjoy science fiction, whether it be post-apocalyptic stories, if you're into dystopia, if you're into, of course, more optimistic science fiction or fantasy, all of that, there's a web series, there are short films that are being produced by talented independent filmmakers that release their work strictly to be consumed on the web. So definitely check me out. And I also have a weekly newsletter where I present that week's discoveries in web series and short films for you so that you can kind of have a gateway to see all of this terrific content that is being created. So that's at the seventh, and that's with the number seven, the seventhmatrix.com. And from there, you can sign up for the newsletter. It's free. I'm also very active on Twitter, and I'm at, at the seventh matrix. Thank you so very much. Uh, just to go back, uh, Bison is at Bison for Life, and Lady Geek is at Lady Geek Over Forty on Twitter. So anybody who's listening to this and you want to, um, you know, ask them some questions of, you know, about what they said on the show, you can definitely hook up with them. Last but not least, we do have the Geek Soul Brother. Uh, Geek Soul Brother, please give the folks your information. And if they do do a time traveling Star Trek, I really need them to go back and someone go talk to. My boy uh, M Knight and say, could you not make that movie? If, I, that, if that could just happen, I'd, I'd be a happy, I'd be happy cat. Yeah, <laughs> those movies. <laughs> Yo, man, final final comments and let people know where they can check you out. Yeah, check me out. Uh, you can hear me over my dog barking. Uh-oh, check me is out. That another, is that another disapproval dog? This is much bigger than disapproval dog. <laughs> This, this is, we ain't we ain't having it, dog. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, yeah, geeksoulbrother.com, all my stuff on there. Very active on Twitter, of course, Facebook. Um, Saturday Night Sci-Fi live tweet hashtag Saturday Night Sci-Fi. I, this this episode of Geeking Over Forty convinced me I'm definitely going to do. Um, uh, original Star Trek uh, live tweet, probably a third week of this month. Okay. So we'll do like, right. you know, maybe first or episode, second episode, something like, or or maybe I'll just put it to a vote what uh, 
episode we should do, maybe a couple episodes of the, our favorite stuff. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Throw a little Star Trek up there. Get 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 the old uh, warp drives cranking, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, what, don't forget to tell them about the show on Tuesday. Yeah, my own podcast, Geek Soul Brother and the Nerdy Venoms, uh, 10 p.m. Not right. 10 p.m. on Tuesdays, uh, <laughs> 10 p.m. Eastern. Um, yeah, we, we it's me and the Nerdy Venoms, my crew of uh, chaotic geeks, and uh, we have a good time. We talk about all kinds of little stuff. So, you know, definitely uh, check us out there. Also on Talk Shoes, so if you're on here, just do a little search and you'll find our show too. Thank you so much. And, and last but not least, I am a uh, Big Bob Rob, I also host the Black Geeks uh, Black Geeks podcast. We are we do YouTube at 10:30 p.m. on Sundays Eastern Standard Time, and you can always check up check our uh, our YouTube account at the Black Geeks 42. Haven't been there in a while, but uh, we post everything's posted there. You can follow me at Big Bob Rob on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow uh, you know follow the Black Geeks and, and see when uh, the shows are coming up there as well. Uh, and I'm just, I'm always blown away, man. This show energizes me in such a way, being able to talk with you all. Uh, and like I said, I'm just so appreciative uh, of you all making the time because I think that, you know, shows like this, you know, bring about change because when you educate people and you empower them, um, you know, with, with the knowledge and information, they can go forward in a much more enlightened way. So uh, next week, or I w- maybe we may do a show next week to try to catch the, uh, the uh, surge, talking about Spectre. Obviously, yes, a lot of us have been around. Tomorrow. Yeah, I, I went. I, I went. I, I'm not going to say too much about it. I, I, I'm, I saw. I know. I saw like a little blip from Geek Soul Brother, and I was like, Oh no, I'm not going to read it. I'm a huge Bond fan. I mean, I, I just I grew up on you know on Doctor No and Goldfinger yeah. and. and Oh God! And uh, I would, yeah, I have I have my opinions about this movie, but I would love everyone to develop their own opinions about it, and uh, hopefully, and also that's where uh, JD is this evening. She's actually seeing it, so if everyone can see it uh, or if everyone gets a chance to see it, we'll be back next week, and I think we'll probably talk about that or something else more interesting comes up. We'll talk about that too. So thank you all. Thank everyone. Uh, thanks for everyone who was in the chat. B Smith, thanks so much for tuning in. Toby Wan Kenobi, my brother, thank you so much for hanging out in the chat as well. Appreciate it. I see how it feels being on the other end with me harassing you guys while I'm in the chat. <laughs> I don't know. So it's, it's, being on the, it's interesting being on the other end. So that's pretty cool. I really appreciate you taking the time to be here. So Thanks, everyone. Appreciate it. I'm going to end the recording, so uh, folks, if you want to hang on, uh, appreciate it. And thanks. We'll be back.